You guys asked for it. It's finally here. Carousel Project Inspired Merch. This collection has been on our hearts and minds for a while, and it was finally the time for us to bring it to life. Spinning Carousel Company is a pixie-dusted jewelry company inspired by theme park history and all of our most magical moments. Each piece is custom-designed to represent the unique moments in time of each of your favorite parks. Buy them now at spinningcarousel.com and use code CARUSELPROJECT for 10% off your first order. Thank you all so much for your support. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Carousel Project Podcast. We are so glad to be back with another episode. This time, we're doing something a little bit different. We're hopping over to a new location in the Orlando theme park stratosphere. But first, my name is Josie Maida, and you can find me on all socials at Josie Maida. You can and you should. And I'm Kate Killebrew. You can find me on all socials. You will. You always will. uh, At Kate Killebrew. (laughs) You better. (laughs) Watch out. (laughs) We're off to a great start here as usual. And I'm Epcot Adam, and you can find me on all socials at Epcot Adam. Yeah, you can. (laughs) Woohoo! It's time to dive into another topic here on the Carousel Project. Now, this topic I feel like is a long, long overdue. And to kick off our episode today, our question of the day is what was your favorite Nick show? Are we going to pick cartoon and live action? Like, what's the vibe here? You can do whatever you want. I'm not going to, I'm not going to make you do or not do anything. This is, this is your moment, Kato. Oh, am I starting? I mean, you can, yeah. Okay. Go for it, Coco. Um, so I'm going to start with Nick Toon. I'm going to say Rugrats. Some may say I wasn't there for it. Kate, but I was going to say, why are you pretending why? like you've ever seen the Rugrats? <laughs> right. You were not born when Rugrats started, so stop saying you were there My for parents it were not aware of this, and they bought me the entire set of Rugrat dolls. So I actually played with them well, on the regular. I'm gonna- but I'm going to have a talk with Madre about this. Apparently, Rue also would like to share her favorite Nickelodeon yeah, show. Yeah, Rue is going wild I today. She wasn't there for any of this. Um, if we're being honest, she wasn't there. If I had to guess, <laughs> the wind blew, and she's upset about it. Anyway, um, and then live action show, I would say either all that or the Amanda show. Oh, that's I'm going to have to... I don't want to copy Kate, but I think I'm going to copy my Coco. Exactly. <laughs> because... We all know they were the best. (laughs) Rugrats was my favorite. Of course, there are Jews. There's a lot of diversity. Um, The Hanukkah episode and the Passover episode are absolute bangers. I just absolutely loved it. And I watched Rugrats all the time. Kate knows the story that Rugrats in Paris is just super special to me and super special to my mom and came out right around the time my little brother was born. So, um... Rugrats has always been a favorite. And then live action, I would say literally the same. I loved the little skit shows. And it's oh, funny yeah. because now growing up, I love like SNL. And it's so funny oh, to see too. that that basically was just like a kid's version. Which I um, loved. Yeah. I loved all that. Loved Keenan and Kel. But definitely all that was my favorite until like the Amanda show started coming around. I remember oh, yeah. going to AmandaPlease.com yes. when we had dial up. When we <laughs> really had dial up, I was in like 
first grade. I didn't know how to use the computer and I made my uncle help me use the computer because like I was like, I have to go to amandaplease.com. Please help me. <laughs> um, so definitely <laughs> those were my, please help me. So those were definitely my favorites. What about you? Huh, um, I could probably list like 20. Um, if we're doing oh, Nicktoons, wow. Doug and Rugrats were by far my favorite. Doug, it was just like the, the best thing ever. The, the, the theme song, everything. Um, and then Rugrats, obviously, as both of the girls already said. And then live Adam, action. Now, Adam, now were you there when the Rugrats were on TV? I actually was. Okay. I was, I, I was of TV watching age. Okay. I watched like the first week. See, the I reason I wasn't there, Josie, is because I wasn't born when the first episode came out. So you actually... We should be gatekept. We should both be gatekept from a show that we couldn't watch the pilot in yes. syndicate, like when it actually came out. Okay, so I understand. Both now. of you for all that <laughs> so as those, well. That you guys decade were not there. or so of watching, we have no reason. It means nothing. To, it means nothing. <laughs> the memories, the merchandise, it's all fake. <laughs> the dolls in People my closet are be right so now. So confused at all this. <laughs> <laughs> but Toto, you were there. Okay, I was there. Yes. Okay. Well, um, at least at least then, Adam's not lying to y'all. Yep. That's good. And then for for like live action shows slash game shows, um, Snick on Saturday nights was like everyone my age was at home watching Snick on Saturday night for mostly all that and Are You Afraid of the Dark? And I love horror movies now. And I think that got started by watching Are You Afraid of the Dark? You could have not paid um, my ass to watch Are You Afraid of the Dark. Oh my God, Couldn't it was so it. good. And now was, it's kind of was, cringy I feel like back. that was my first explicit in a long time yeah it's been an episode or two yeah there you um, go people and then, it back just for you <laughs> um and for game shows nick arcade was an absolute banger because it was you got to go inside a video game which looking back on it now it's just like it's the most basic green screen concept ever but in like the early 90s it was mind-blowing that these oh, yeah. kids were able to be in a video game and then the always classic legends of the hidden temple is probably my favorite out of all of these forever. I forgot momentarily about the game shows. I feel like they were never really my favorite as a kid, except I love Mark Summers, except oh, that I yeah. always think of him more from Unwrapped on the Food Network rather than oh, like the Nickelodeon yeah. game shows because that's definitely what I watched I more as a kid. But I loved the one, I forget what it was called, but it was a game show where like the kids would come on and they were like, they had like crazy hidden talents. And then there were a panel of judges who were all like Nick stars who had to guess what they did. Figure it out. Yes. There we go. I knew it was like something yeah. like that. There we go. That was probably my favorite of the game shows. Um, Unwrapped was a show on the Food Network where basically Mark Summers hosted it and they would go to different places and show you how things were made. Like Dippin' Dots, Tootsie Rolls, oh. like candies, fun, cool foods, and they would like show you the That's factory tours. And yeah, so I love definitely that. liked Mark Summers, but was more into him for like Food Network than right. I always kind of like forget that he was so integral to this era of Nickelodeon. Oh, yeah. yeah. One more, one more Nickelodeon show that was mm -hmm. did I say? Did I say you could? Day. No, but I did. <laughs> Let me think. <laughs> um, I'll allow it. This is the Adam show today. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, okay. I He's like all it. that. I like the sass. Um, Adam says the, this is my the, moment to shine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sit down, you rugrats. <laughs> yeah, sit down, rugrats. You weren't there for this. But go go on YouTube. <laughs> go on YouTube and look up Wild and Crazy Kids. That show was an absolute banger, and they filmed an episode at my elementary school. What? And it is so good. Always had so much cool stuff. I know. Always the Always cool stuff in for Adam. School. <laughs> 
Um, before we begin, I want to say we're talking about Nick Studios in the orange years. So the time of Nick where it was like really, really amazing, really, really focused on kids, doing right by kids, creating programming for kids. Um, so we're going to be chatting through a lot of the good times that Nick had. But very recently, Nickelodeon Studios and Nick in general has been in the news and on social media a lot for the wrong reasons. Um, and yeah. I think it's really, really important for us to mention that although we can look back at a time about a decade or more before those allegations really happened, it's important to mention that we, we do not think that the you know, what happened years after this, the many child stars who kind of suffered at the hands of the brand. Um, you know, we, we do not think that is okay. And we're recognizing that that is something that happened. And yeah, I think it's just important to, to mention that before we dive into talking about the good times at Nick's, Nick's and, uh, Nick studios. And what, we're mainly talking about is like the golden era of Nickelodeon, like when Nick Studios mm. was in play. But um, I did find an, a Reddit thread that talked about the six ages of Nickelodeon, and we'll get into mm -hmm. that later. And I think with the stuff that you're talking about in the news happened more in like the Iron Age, like towards the end, like yeah, towards the present. it did. So at least. At least what we see, I mean, again, I, I can't speak come for out, every yeah. child. Yeah, mm -hmm. every, from what's come out, the era that we're going to be primarily talking about and the era that we think, I think we all remember most from our childhood doesn't seem the like the era. time when there were issues like this. And I think yeah. throughout this episode, we'll get into at least why I think, you know, there weren't issues like this back then. But again, I thought it was just important to kind of put that disclaimer yeah. out there that that a yeah. lot of really sad things have happened. And um, we, we don't condone that, even though we're talking oh. about Oh, really 200% time in the company's history. So let's dive into that fun time because I'm sure that's all we, what we all remember the most and what we kind of, you know, think of when we think of Nickelodeon. Damn, it was so good yes. back in the days. They really yeah. fumbled the bag the hardest it could be fumbled. So before we start into Nickelodeon, should we go through what's in a name of Nickelodeon? Go for it, Kate. This let's is, you know, Adam thought it was his day, but... I say it's your day. <laughs> wow. So, so I mean, in reality, the only it's, it's reason always my I'm, day. The only reason I'm sharing this is because <laughs> as someone who grew up watching Nickelodeon, I just thought it was a word. Like, I didn't think Nickelodeon mm -hmm. was actually anything. Um, mm -hmm. When I rewatched The Orange Years, they kind of leaned yes. into this. We're going to include the link, obviously, in the show notes. But... Um, I looked into it a little bit further. So a Nickelodeon was the first type of indoor exhibition space dedicated to showing projected motion pictures in the United States. Um, and these were small, simple theaters that charged five cents a nickel. Um, and they flourished from 1905 to 1915. Um, and the term Nickelodeon comes from the nickel of five cents plus a Greek word, Odeon meaning roofed over theater. So a nickel okay. roofed over theater. So that's where the term Nickelodeon came from. Anyway, back to you guys. <laughs> no, very important. And yes, as Kate said, we're going to be linking that documentary in the show notes. It is super, super awesome if you love this time in, you know, our, our childhood. It's a great, great documentary. Um, and so, yeah, here we go. Nick Studios. 
Um, so Nickelodeon actually started as Pinwheel in 1977. Um, it was Pinwheel from 1977 to 1979. And on April 1st, 1979, it launched as Nickelodeon, the first cable channel for children. And that's what we kind of know of today, you know, a, a channel made for kids, seemingly by kids. Um, you know, it had no commercials and was without ads up until 1984. They were very much focused on kids not feeling like they were being fed a bunch of BS, you know, that they that they weren't just trying to be sold on things. Um, so, yeah, and then um, a few years after that, in 1988, we would see the launch of Nick Jr., um Mm -hmm. so that was like the preschool age which I still think is so funny now like they did Nick Jr Disney did Playhouse Disney and now Disney doesn't even care they they switched to Disney Jr um which I guess just shows (laughs) just shows where they're at I miss face from Nick Jr I feel like I definitely watched a lot of Nick Jr show yeah so cute I definitely watched a lot of both Nick Jr and Playhouse Disney shows growing up but I think what Kate was talking about in a topic that we'll probably touch upon a couple of times in the episode is that um, Geraldine Laybourne was a huge person in you know the role of the show at Nickelodeon and so her direction really was children first a network for children by children and she really didn't subscribe to like advertising to children pushing to children like she just stood on a very like a higher moral ground with children than some other people in the media that we see especially nowadays and so um her being there in the beginning of Nickelodeon really just seeped into to everything. That great leadership made for a lot of their decisions that made them successful and gave them the morals and the direction that they had. Yes, and she was president of Nickelodeon starting in 1984. Um, so that's why mm-hmm. the golden age of Nickelodeon is known as 1984 to 1996 um, when she would eventually leave, but we'll talk about that later. Um, one thing that I loved in the Orange Years was them mentioning their arrangement with um, an elementary school in New Jersey where they would go and talk to the kids just about Woo-hoo. their lives and themselves. Um And this was, like Josie said, their way of getting, you know, some actual intel into what kids, you know, love, what kids know. Like, instead of them making what they think kids would want, they were actually Mm -hmm. going and having conversations with them. Not asking them, like, what do you want to see on TV? But just listening to what they were talking about and kind of going from there. And I, I think that was a big part of why they ended up being so successful, especially during this era, you know, just like really focusing in on their target audience in such a unique way. Absolutely. They really did such a great job. The shows were so much fun. The, you know, segments in between the shows were so much fun. The logo, the sounds were so recognizable. Um, And they really were just everywhere in a way that again they didn't advertise to kids but it just was this like almost smarter marketing tactic of like every kid had to be watching Nickelodeon you know what I mean like it's what your friends were watching it's everything you cared about and so it was really really smart so of course as the company is growing and growing this is where the theme park part of this all comes in is um Nickelodeon Studios the actual physical studio that would be at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida. Yes, and I, I I think it's so cool that they ended up pulling this off to where they 
made this deal with Universal Studios Florida mm -hmm. to back in November of 1988 um, to get this space as... 1988 or 1998? 1988, um, two years before it opened. So, you know, Geraldine went out and talked to Universal Studios Florida and kind of let them know, like, you've got competition down the street. We can help you kind of leverage. Um, so mm -hmm. back in November of 1988... Um, about two years before the studio would open, they put this deal together. Um, Nickelodeon contracted space for the soon-to-be-built Universal Studios Florida as its first production studio. So how cool is that for Nickelodeon? Um, and mm -hmm. basically, Universal had also determined through market research that the working studio would be crucial for attracting guests to their movie-themed park. And they offered Nickelodeon a sweetheart deal with the promise of a custom-built studio at no expense, rent-free production, and um, wow. this was all to lure them away from Disney MGM Studios, which I think is really funny because it's like, I don't necessarily think that Disney was going after right? Nickelodeon, yeah. but okay, let's go thing. off. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder, I was thinking the same thing when I, when I was reading that because I was like, Nickelodeon had their own yeah, production they were studios literally and doing so this. many of their own things. Yeah. Why would they Why want Nickelodeon? Yeah. I mean, and I, I guess Nickelodeon was huge at the time. That's so true. They were the maybe, number one at the time. But I still think it would have been such I don't a think weird Mikey, crossover. Yeah, I don't think no. Mikey was I, looking I think for Mikey that. Mikey would have been too proud. Um, but who knows? That would have been the craziest crossover but ever. The, but yeah, like... Yeah, so then their contract stipulated that um, Nickelodeon had to promote Universal Studios Florida on air a thousand times each year, and they also had to broadcast their television commercials for the theme park. So I think that's a pretty fair, that was a pretty fair deal, um, in my opinion. Yep. Um, and Universal Studios would have their two sound stages, um, stages 18 and 19, um, both were 16,500 square feet. And then adjacent to that was Production Central, a 40,000 square foot video production facility. Um, and I just want to say, I think as we talk about marketing, I think that is kind of the biggest piece here is that they had to promote the parks a thousand times a year. And let me yep. tell you, I can still remember that part of the show. Like this, this oh, show yeah. was filmed in front yep. of a live studio. Oh, yeah. yeah. I have a YouTube and, video that has all those clips in it. And you wanted to go so badly. Oh, like yeah. as my, a little girl, yeah, like as a little girl, like four, five, six, seven, I really wanted to do like Disney but then as I got older I feel like there was a period of time where Nick Studios I was like dang that's where I want to go because after every single show you watched they were saying that and again there really wasn't a lot of other advertising on the channel and there wasn't a ton of advertising back in the day on Disney either because remember in between the commercials it'd be like just Disney yeah. stuff so it really made you want to go there so badly as a kid. And to be honest, I don't think as a kid, I even realized that it was attached to a theme park. So it was not the theme park that it was, that was luring me in. It was, no. the, it was the studios. Like I wanted to go to Nick studios. And as a girly who went, the only thing I cared about was the Nick studios part. Like I did not mm -hmm. care about the other aspect no. of it. Which is crazy that kids like literally didn't care about a, a theme park like rides and food. Yeah. No like we cared about Nick Studios because literally every time after you finished watching a show it would talk about it and it would show the picture. 
Mm-hmm. I was, I've, I'm still always a big person. Like if I see a site, a place that I've been or a place that I know I'm going to go and I see it in a movie or on TV or something, I'm like, this is where this was filmed. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I'm starting to think that's because of Nickelodeon. Um, and those, <laughs> I think they did that to me as a kid, but, um, yeah, this, so it opened on June 7th 1990 the same day that universal studios florida opened um and i'm going to talk about the opening day in a second but um i just wanted to point out at its peak this studio employed 400 people and it was the largest production studio in florida um bringing in 110 million dollars in business to the state in the year 1994 so i mean Wow. Just this one theme park attraction studio did all of that um, in the 90s. It's pretty huge. It is really huge. And also because if we think about it, that's saying it was the largest production studio in Florida. Disney MGM Studios was had their own there. down the yeah. street. So that just goes to show like Nickelodeon was really making money. Um, and something really cool is that Nick Studios at this point, they had never had their own production studio before so they were renting out locations in um LA and so when they had their own yeah all over the place Mm -hmm. so when they had their own two sound stages and their own video production studio it was huge for the company because it meant they were spending a lot less money everything was in one place you know I'm sure it costs a lot of money to move stuff between sound stages yeah I would just assume so um I think it's really, really cool. Now, I saw that Super Sloppy Double Dare and Think Fast were the first two shows filmed at the location. So in April 1989, Super Sloppy Double Dare was filmed before it, you know, opened to the public and Think Fast in January of 1990. Um, And again, this was huge for them because they didn't have to rent or move anything. They were able to just, you know, have these on these sound stages. And again, if you've seen Double Dare or any of these game shows, I imagine that those... I imagine it would be crazy to move those kind of sets because it was so much stuff, so much slime. (laughs) Yeah, and those were both filmed on stage 21, not 18 or 19, because the Nick Studios was still under construction at that time. But like you said, it was still great to start moving their stuff over that way, knowing that they were a soundstage or two away from their permanent home pretty soon. Mm -hmm. And I, I loved seeing the nomenclature of the first world headquarters for kids. Like that was a big Mm -hmm. thing when it first opened. Um, When we get to the time capsule that was on the time capsule, like the first world headquarter for kids, like they kept saying that. And I just loved it. Because again, it makes you feel like, it makes you feel like as a kid, like you're a part of it. Mm -hmm. It is the headquarters for kids. It wasn't Nickelodeon headquarters. It was the headquarters for kids. And at this time, everything about the network that was kind of their marketing, they didn't market to kids, but the way they did was just by giving it to kids making kids feel this sense of ownership over the network which I think is a really really strong way of like marketing without marketing but marketing you know that yeah people felt such a such a tie to this brand because you felt like a part of it you saw yourself in the characters they did like you know and and they talk about this in the documentary but they did kind of like serious conversations and had like world news and really made you feel like you were a part of the network like you were smart like you were valued like you were a little adult but still a kid if that makes sense like you deserved respect but you were still a kid and should have fun so I, I agree with Kate, the the nomenclature of that and how much they push that really did make you 
see it as something that you felt ownership over, but again, somewhere you wanted to visit. Like, this is the world headquarter for all kids, and I'm a kid. Yeah. I want to go. Yeah. So opening day was kind of a big deal. It was not only opening mm-hmm. day for Nick Studios, but also the theme park, um, Universal Studios Florida. There was a live broadcast on the Nickelodeon channel that was hosted by Mark Summers. Um, Woohoo! And there were also celebrity appearances by several people, but most well-known at that time were probably Bill Cosby and Steven Spielberg. Um, And then they had live performances from Kid in Play, Perfect Gentleman, and The Cover Girls. And this entire special was three hours long from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. I have found a YouTube video that was uploaded last year that is the full three hours. But up until last year, the most that people could find was like 80 minutes of it. Um, So... It's kind of a big deal. I feel that like we they have, used to do on Nickelodeon. I feel like that's another thing. Like they knew kids would watch it back then. And yeah. I remember watching this is kind of not off on a tangent, but off on a tangent of how the channel has has changed. Mm-hmm. But I remember the Kids Choice Awards when oh, I yeah. was a kid being yeah. like that. Like being something that was multiple hours long oh, that yeah. you would really look forward to. And I remember in the late like the mid two thousands, maybe two thousand five, two thousand six, I was in like fifth grade. So the Kids Choice Awards were still huge. And I remember it being like only an hour and being like, what the heck? where's the rest of it so I think that's really cool that they made it three hours and again I think that speaks to like they weren't like oh kids have a short attention span they were like no kids are gonna love this there is there are so many things going on they're gonna wish they were a part of it we're gonna make this a big celebration as if it were something for any other age group just tailor it to them and I want to go back and watch the even just like skip around through the three hours because I would love to see like opening day what that tour looked like I didn't get to do it until probably 96 or 97 it had been open for a few years when I went for the first Mm -hmm. time so I'd love to see like the OG version and like everything they had that day but I was glad to know they found like a full version of it Okay, so um, they had the Nickelodeon time capsule um, on April 30th, 1992. They would bury it in front of Soundstage 18. They had a big ceremony for this, and I have a link to that video in the show notes if y'all want to watch it. Um, It was said to be opened on April 30th, 2042, but if we want to mention... 1942. We wanna. Uh, we they, wanna. They also Always. had a box of stuff from 1942 for the kids of 1992 to look at. So, like, they brought out, like, a record. They brought out, like, a newspaper. And they were kind of talking about... They were saying, um, you know, so what could happen in 50 years? And so they're like, well, mm-hmm. well, we use CDs now. They used to use records. Like, they, they kind of were still talking to the Showing. kids and, like, trying to relate to them the amount of time that's passed, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, so the items that were in this time capsule were things that were deemed important by the children of 1992. The Nick viewers got to vote on these items. Um, Some of the things included were like bubble gum, a comic book, a Barbie doll, um, photos of cars, politicians, bikes, celebrities, trains. A piece of the Berlin Wall was put in this time capsule. (laughs) Um, A Orlando, Florida TV guide from that week was put in the time capsule, um, a Nintendo Game Boy, a Nicktoons shirt, a Michael Jackson CD, Twinkies, an issue of Nickelodeon Magazine, Rollerblades. Oh, Nickelodeon um, Magazine was so good. So um, a can of Nickelodeon GAC, which if you watch the video, um, 
I used to have that stuff for sure. A DeLorean rolls up like right before they were going to put it in the ground. And the, please excuse me, because I have not seen Back to the Future. But the scientist guy gets out. and You've never seen Back to the Future? The scientist guy? The scientist guy gets out. The scientist guy. (laughs) Give me a name then. What's his name? I got to go. It's Doc Brown. Brown. I got to go. There you go. That guy. You've never seen Back to the Future. It hasn't come up. Back Um, to the Future is one of my (laughs) all-time favorite i know movies. enough the delorean it's a car um he drove did you ever go on the lot. ride no i didn't if i did i don't no, remember I it so um so anyway the delorean rolls up dr brown he gets out and he's like wait a minute we can't bury this capsule until we put some gack in there so he gets out oh, yeah. a jar and then joey lawrence he brings some gack over from the gack you know, test kitchen where they make the GAC. It's part of the tour. And they put that in the time capsule. Um, Like I said, Joey Lawrence was there from Blossom. He put in a woe hat, which was like apparently these hats that he made for the crew because this character said woe a lot on Blossom. So um, anyway, they made, it, they made it a big thing. Um, and then they had a girl, Vicky from Orlando, who was filming the ceremony on a video camera and her videotape was also getting put in the time capsule down to them, like just throwing the whole video camera in. But can you imagine being Vicky? <laughs> Throw her in there, bitch. They were like, here, just put it in. So imagine if we did that now, it'd be a phone. You'd be yeah. Like, just throw the just phone throw in the there. Phone throw in there. And also in They'll 2042, the, these kids are going to open it up and be like, what the hell do we do with this video? <laughs> like this <laughs> cassette hell? thing. What like, do we do with we, this nasty Twinkie? The- like, what is this? Right. <laughs> I also think that Nickelodeon made me think time capsules were so much more important than they really truly are. Like I have not again in my adult life encountered time capsules as much as I did on Nickelodeon. Like between this, between That's true. Zoe, Zoe 101, 101. Like, although they did open a time capsule over by Contemporary last year. Yeah. Uh, it was a, it was a 25 year time capsule, I believe. I think it was buried for the 25th and they opened it um, right around the 50th. So I wish we could have seen what was in it, but apparently they yeah, did what, that. What, that seems like the whole purpose of is like yeah. the fanfare. Well, where d- was the fanfare? Mikey was not there, so there was hmm. no fanfare. Anyway, so um, <laughs> the anyways, s- the sad thing is this time capsule was supposed to stay buried Mm. at soundstage 18 through 2042 they had one job and the sad part is when they're getting ready to bury it the guy hosting the thing he was like and this this will be here for 50 years so the kids will come back to the world kids headquarters you know to come and i was like nope no, they won't. Like, it's not there. No, they won't, but we love your We love your, your enthusiasm. enthusiasm, but you are right. not correct. So when the studio would end up closing, they would end up moving the time capsule to the Nick Hotel. And then... Which we talk about in the bonus episode. We do, episode. in the bonus episode. episode. Check it out. We aren't going to talk about the Nick Hotel other than that. But it was there for a few years. And then in, ni- in uh, 19, 2016... They moved the time capsule again, again to Nickelodeon Animation Studios, where it will hopefully stay. You realize it's been thirty years since they buried it originally, like twenty twenty two. So we have twenty more years until they're going to open it, and by then, I mean that thing's been shaken up a few times, brought different places. Yeah, that, that camera's I mean, that camera's camera's done, broken. done, covered in <laughs> Twinkie. That's what's going to happen. That camera. 
camera. Imagine what the gack looks like 30 years oh, later. Oh, gosh. It's, it's going to make me gack, okay? Um, in the hot sort of Florida ground. It's been, yep. It was in the ground in Florida and now in California. Like, they were like, put it in the heat. They said, put let's make them gack when they see this gack, okay? Dude, that's so And funny. then I just saw an article on the Nickelodeon Studios Past, Present, and Future Facebook page Earlier this week, there is. I'm including the link in the show notes. Okay. Um, so on that Facebook page, they shared a link from the other day. The original time capsule cover is up for auction right now. So the time capsule, the time capsule currently doesn't even have its original time capsule cover, which I'm like, Lame. what's the point? What is the Lame. point? <laughs> make it make sense. Maybe people. it's just me. L- a-M-E. Lame. The time capsule originally was also buried near another very iconic part of Nick Studios, which was the Slime Geyser, also known as the Gak Geyser, um, which was in front of the studio. This was added on October 27th, 1990. Very iconic. Every time they would plug the studio and it had that picture, it would show that Slime Geyser going off. Yep. It had 17 foot high gack which was just like green water and it would go off every 10 minutes so the time capsule was right near there so two very 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 iconic things that are now gone well and um i saw an article where people were talking about how they gave out buttons saying like i was there for the very first slime and like t-shirts mm. and stuff which would have been really fun to have um but I'm gonna also include I'm gonna also include a link to the the info on this auction um, for the time capsule cover. And if any of you buy it, you have to let us come to your house to play with it. Or touch I it. I have pictures of what the four sides of it says, and yeah, it says preserved within the time capsule are very important items and thoughts that were important to the kids of 1992. The Nickelodeon time capsule was buried in this spot as a gift to the kids of the future. And it says the first world headquarters uh, for kids. And it's not anymore. But anyway, it's fine. It was a good time back then. Are you crying, Kate? No. No, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. We're fine. I wasn't even there for that. I don't know why I, why right. I care. I, I, I was there be for it. For, you two were not there. For another year, but... I, I care, care, okay? It's the principle of the thing. Yeah. It is the principle of the damn thing. It is the thing. principle of the thing. So should we talk about the tour itself oh yeah okay so this experience was initially a 40 minute experience um as guests entered the building they would go on an escalator up to the second floor and they would escalators 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 exactly (laughs) so um and then from there they would enter soundstage 19 in a they'd go to like their viewing center above it um and the tour guide would share some production information about whatever show was taking place there at the time i remember one of the times i went gullah gullah island was under um let's was under production play together in yeah bright sunny weather let's all go to gullah gullah island dude yeah. i loved that show i love that show so i remember like you're getting to walk through essentially the third i think they're you're on actually like a third floor looking down into these sound stages so you could see you know the set 
if they were doing, you know, if they were recording at the time or you're just looking at the set, which is so cool for somebody that watches Nickelodeon, you know, like I loved that. Um, so then after that, you would go to a control room viewing area and they would show you a video about Nick. Um, I have a link to one of the videos that they used to show in the 90s. Um, basically, they would go through and make like, you know, a comedic fun kids take on like all the aspects of production, like makeup, lighting, um, you mm -hmm. know, all that kind of stuff. So I'll put that in the show notes. Then you would go to the viewing tube for soundstage 18. You'd learn about whatever production was going on in there. Then you would go down the escalators to the game lab. Along the way, you'd pass like wardrobe, makeup, and then the GAC kitchen. Um, if you watch that's the, where I want to go. Yeah, I want to go back in time to the GAC. The GAC, the GAC <laughs> kitchen. Yeah. So, and um, they talked about on the orange ears, like they'd be sitting in makeup and wardrobe and just see like kids with their faces like in the glass just watching them get ready and everything and so cute so um yeah they would get to do like a hands-on experience with the testing of the gack and slime one of the articles i saw said tasting i wasn't sure because gack like i know tasting the gack because i know that gack was also like a slime toy so i'm assuming they meant right. it was a lot of things i'm assuming I, well, they meant no, testing. i think they i feel like they did do something like an edible gack at some well point. i know slime like was there were edible. shows where they like ate it yeah but anyway so that for for me that would have been really fun like i'm sure i did it mm -hmm. and i just don't remember because i was like three or four the first time i went um and then the tour would end in the game lab and lucky guests would get to participate and get slimed um i have photos of myself with my cousin sitting in the little game lab arena area in our nickelodeon Studios shirts and this is probably what i remember the most about all that um and this that area operated from june 7th to um june 7th 1990 to june 15th 2001 um i saw at that point um the tour would get taken down to like a 10 minute experience. You wouldn't even go upstairs anymore or look into the production stuff because that had all kind of gone away. It was basically just the game lab. Um, you'd walk past like a makeup room and they'd be like, this is a makeup room. Like that's a makeup chair. And then you would just go to the game lab area, which is kind of sad. Um, and then mm -hmm. the game lab would cease operation on April 30th, 2005. But I mean, I remember... I remember being so excited to go hang out near Nick Studios, so I can only imagine being inside if I would have been even like two or three years older. I feel like I'd have so yeah. many more memories than I did when I went. But I'm glad I have some pics, and I'm glad I still have my Nick Studios t-shirt from way back Yeah, then. I feel like that was such a cool thing to do. Like, again, like as a kid, that was like the number one thing that I was like, I want to go to Nick Studios Live and in person, baby. And apparently in the first year of operation, they had 4 million visitors visit Nick Studios, which is wild. Yeah, it was yeah. it was popping. I mean, and we, you know, kids do have a great buying power. And that was like the place to go to be like, that was so much yeah. fun. It was always my dream to be in the audience of like Legends yes. of the Hidden Temple or Nickelodeon Guts. Like those are the shows I watch so much and like. Yeah, and all that, of course, with the musical performances, like oh, those yeah. have been so cool to be in the audience for. This is all that, dude. We loved it. Me and my dad loved it. We also loved. Um, 
Keenan and Kel. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. So, and it's so great to now see Keenan on SNL. I know. I always I know. think about that. It's like that. so full circle. I remember when I first started watching SNL like regularly and he was already on there and I was like, this really is, like you said, so full circle. He was on the kids version of SNL yes. for, mm-hmm. for so long and then he goes on and he's on the real SNL. It was just wild for me. He's still on, right? Or did he recently? At least? I mean, he's been on there a long time if he's still on there. I love yeah. it. I don't know. I know last year I saw that NBC gave him his own sitcom. I think it was called Keenan. Oh, I saw billboards yeah. for it, but I don't think that it lasted because um, I haven't seen anything about it since. But it's probably on Peacock. Ooh, we should all watch it. We should. We should. Look, what is this, all that? I have on a Peacock? good burger. It's probably it's on, Paramount. on Paramount Plus. Oh, yeah. Paramount Plus. Yes. Okay, yep. I'm gonna watch that tonight. Me thanks, too. Adam. Yeah. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> thanks, <Trevor> <laughs> <Rogan>. <laughs> That's, That's a deep actual. cut right there. Um, so then sadly, we've talked about a lot of the fun stuff. Then it started going downhill, right? Do you have any more fun stuff, Kate? Um, I think that's it. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, it it really kind of did just start going downhill. So I guess we can, I guess we can roll that way. Although, should we touch on when Geraldine left? Like, should we talk about that since that happens before? All of that? Or what do you... Well, I was just going to say the one thing I had before she left was that in 1994, so she was still there, Yeah. 7.7 million people came to Universal compared to 28.9 million to Disney. So we can start to see that decline in numbers. Um, Which Universal still to this day isn't as popular as Disney. But remember, Disney at that point had three parks and Universal still only had the one. Um, And so they were seeing less attendance. And then in 1990, there was a resurgence in love of Rugrats reruns, which is when Kate and I would see them. The Rugrats became really popular again in 1995. So the budget shifted a little bit more to animation. And obviously this studio was for you know, their, you know, their live action projects. Yeah. Um, Wasn't as much about the cartoons. Yeah. And in 1995, all that producers also request that they move shooting back to LA so they didn't have to leave their homes for Orlando. I'm assuming that a lot of the cast members, the kids from all that were from LA at that point. I think in the documentary, they said that in the beginning they were from like all, all over, over the country. Yeah. I don't know if they had all moved to LA, but I'm assuming the producers wouldn't ask and get granted their wish of moving back to LA unless it really impacted like everybody. Yeah, so well, that they probably kicked off as well. careers by then, you know, once it started. Exactly. So in 1995, uh, All That, which was a very popular show, they kind of were like, we don't want to keep going to Orlando. Um, also, it was kind of difficult because some cast members weren't as protect- protected in Florida and were missing out on money on like residuals for the show and a couple of different legal things because it was being shot in Florida rather than California. So again, people were just kind of like, we want to go back to California. The funny thing is, though, all that was shot at Nick's studios in 1994 and 1995, but mm-hmm. Keenan and Kel, only the first two seasons were shot at Nick's studios, and it was 96 and 97. So essentially, if Keenan and Kel were still on all that, which I think they were, they were still having to hop across the country for mm-hmm. both at that point. But at the same time, they have their own show, so they're going to do what they got to mm-hmm. do. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's interesting to put that together just now. So then, yes, Geraldine Laybourne take it away when she breaks our hearts 
She would, yeah, she would depart from Nickelodeon in 1996 and go, of all places, to become president of Disney ABC Cable Networks, which at first... A slap in the face. A slap in the face. Okay, but at first I was like, I was like you. I was like, what the heck? But I had to remember... What was taking place in 1996? We were experiencing that Disney ABC merger under da 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 Mikey. So mm-hmm. Mikey and actually Bob Iger, who was over ABC at the time, they they were you know they were having talks with Geraldine. She was talked into it, and basically her move in an interview I read. Um, on the New York Times, she was explaining that her she had done such great work over at Nick for Kids, and her goal with this new position at ABC and Disney was to continue to do more good for women, kids, and um, like more news-based stuff. So mm-hmm. that was her hope by moving over, and she said similar to how she did at Nickelodeon, she was going to roll up her sleeves and really talk to the people and figure out what they would want from Disney. Disney and ABC. So to me, that makes sense looking at it that way, like from her interview that she said, but she would only stay with Disney for two more years. And in 1998, she would depart to go create the Oxygen Network. So she wasn't even with Disney very long. She was, you know, am I making it up that she said somewhere that it was like a regret that she left? She on the orange years, uh, she did say she didn't realize like I she said she thinks she didn't realize like what how much good they were doing at Nickelodeon and like she kind of took that for granted and like went on. I think she left with good mm-hmm. intentions of like what I've yeah. done at Nickelodeon, I'm gonna do for women and even more the kids. news and more kids. So but I think like so many of them realized when she left, like she was the driving force behind those golden years, what was mm-hmm. happening at Nickelodeon. And they knew like when she left, it was going to be different. They kind of like when Walt passed away, they tried their best after that. You know, what would Walt do? What would Walt do? I'm sure there was some level of that at Nickelodeon after she left, you know, but it's hard to replicate without that driving force there. I think it's hard to replicate. And also she, again, had a very strong moral compass. She wanted something more for kids that like we're saying, like, that's why she left. She wanted to do something more for kids over at Disney and expand her work. And she really wanted kids to feel seen and heard in the media. And um, I think after she left, Nickelodeon kind of became a little bit more about the money, a little bit more into advertising. They had success with some of their shows that they had never had before. And yeah. so, yeah, her leaving in 1996 made way for a lot of different a lot of different changes and just things being different at Nickelodeon. Well, and one major change a few years later, you know, May 1st, 1999, the launch of SpongeBob, which I'm sure we're mm-hmm. going to talk about. That was yeah, a that's big, exactly what I was Yeah, that was a big that- change. But, you know, it does make me wonder if she was still at the company at that time. Would that have been handled the same way? Probably no. Like, I don't don't, think so. I don't think so myself. I honestly think if she was at the studio still, it would be very, very different. And I think, yeah, the handling of of, um, SpongeBob especially, which really launched the company, just, just changed everything. 
So just before we kick off in it, any everything, I'm just going to label like the six ages of Nickelodeon really quick just for reference for people. So the initial age was Stone Age from December 1977 to October 1986. The Golden Age was October 1986 to April 1994. Um, the Silver Age, which is kind of where we're heading, um, was April 1994 to October 1999. As we know, SpongeBob came out in May of 1999. The Bronze Age was October 1999 to July 2008. This was really probably when Josie and I were watching the most Nickelodeon, I would think. Because, like, we mm-hmm. were I, at that yeah. age. And that's I was when I was watching six, the least. Six to, yeah, six to like 15. And then um, the Iron Age was July 2008 to May 2016. And then the current age is 2016 to present. So those are the six ages. I will include a link to the Reddit thread where they went into more detail about what each of these ages included. And mm-hmm. that's it. Absolutely. Yeah. I miss. I miss the beginning of Nickelodeon, Um, but it's also important to note that Tunic Studios did open in California between 1997 and 1998, right after Geraldine Laybourne left. Again, remember that there was a resurgence in a love for Nickelodeon in 1995, which pushed them to put more money into animation, which eventually would help because as Kate said, um, just a year after the second studio opened in 1998 and 1999, SpongeBob would come out and really, really, really changed this network. Yes. And then, you know, I think I would say the Bronze Age, like I said, is probably when Josie and I were watching the most. And I think that's when we saw less of like the classic Nickelodeon stuff um, that became I -hmm. think they would sometimes still show that stuff like late at night. But um, that was when we moved more into like you said the cartoon era Um, the Bronze Age was dominated by SpongeBob SquarePants and then with all of that, that was also when the Dan Schneider show era mm. began, which I'm assuming we're going to be getting into shortly. But that was when we had the Amanda show, Drake and Josh, So We 101. Um, iCarly would end up debuting during this bronze era. Um, and then Avatar is another thing that they mentioned. Not Avatar, James Cameron Avatar, but the <laughs> cartoon show Avatar, which was the another good Avatar. That was the another cartoon thing. show Avatar had a lot of love. Yeah. I remember like seeing that in a theme park as a kid. The cartoon show Avatar, I have no, I have no beef with either Avatar. But no, I do me think either. That was, but like, a good thing they did at Nick, to be honest. I will say for me though, like, in this timeline matches up, like. Avatar, the kids show, the kid with the arrow on his head and everything, that came out before James Cameron's Avatar did. So I remember when the movie (laughs) Avatar came out, I'm like, what is up with people using this name Avatar? Like, we just had this one show come out called Avatar. (laughs) Then we got this movie coming out. I was like, what is with the Avatar? So anyway, um, that's why I'm laughing. that this. But apparently Avatar was kind of the finale of the Bronze Age. Um... And then the Iron Age, um, it looks like that was when they were pursuing the success of the rival Disney Channel. Like, that was when they had, like, High School Musical and Hannah Montana. It was kind mm-hmm. of a thing. And so they were kind of trying to to keep up with them. But at the same time, SpongeBob was still extremely pro- popular. So they just kept rolling that out. Um, mm-hmm. And it looks, Which SpongeBob is still on now. It right? is, like, yeah. As far as I know, it's still he's still kicking. Um, yep. And during this time, 
the Dan Schneider shows were considered like nearly untouchable. That was when we mm-hmm. started to see Victorious, Sam and Cat, things like that. So Zoe 101. And let me just say, I am always like, I get that the shows were popular, but who let this man? I, I know, just- I know. Well, the weird thing for me is like growing up, you know, anytime any of these shows came on, we watched it. And then at the end of it, I always remember the the little button of the oven going open and it was like mm, mm-hmm. and it was like dan schneider productions yeah, yeah. like that's what i think yeah. of when i thought of that those words for so long was it's like oh drake and josh and like zoe 101 mm-hmm. and you know i carly victorious and then like you said what's been coming out in the past few years it's just like cringe so um kind of puts a damper on our you know some of our favorite childhood shows teenage Mm -hmm. age shows um and when you look back it's crazy I feel like we're going on a tangent but it's fine yeah but like even when I look back I've kind of been watching Nickelodeon um not Nickelodeon Zoe 101 was on Netflix and so I kind of you know if I was like working you know just like putting it on in the background I did that with Victorious two years ago yeah And some of the things, like, there were so many, like, diet culture references and references to them needing to be skinny and, like, no, I can't have cake. Or, like, there was an episode where Michael was eating a lot of, like, potato chips, so Quinn put some, like, crazy stuff on them so they'd be less fattening. And I was like, what Uh, the hell is going on? Like, how – this would not fly today. And it's just so crazy to think that back then when we were kids, diet culture truly was so prevalent. And I – I feel like I'm so lucky and blessed to be kind of in a place where I'm removed from that now that I forget just how bad it was because it was it was bad yeah I I didn't pick up on that either but I also haven't watched Zoe 101 again since it's on my list but I watched Victorious probably 2020 it was on Netflix I feel like Victorious is where it, it started getting like a little bit more creepy like yeah where talk it was about like his I was foot gonna fetish say, and yeah making the kids like, like Zoe happen. 101 yeah. was like diet culture culture I haven't watched that much of it but like nothing really happened that I was like ooh that's kind of well, creepy or weird because but then the foot stuff well Zoe 101 and the Amanda show and Drake Drake and Josh those all happened in the bronze age so that was like up until 2008 so the iron age is when we would start to see like more of iCarly Victorious Sam and Cat like so like you said those shows had a different but like they were still it could be said that they were the same vibe. Like, it was, like, kids, they all no, had things going different. on. But the, but the, the actual different. shows were, yeah, different vibes in, like, what was happening. Because, like, it's just I like, didn't really watch I Carly as much. When you watched, like, I Carly, and I, I never really watched Victoria's, Victorious as much, but it definitely made the kids seem, like, older. You know what I mean? Like, in the Amanda show, Drake and Josh, um... Zoe 101, the kids still felt like kids. Like, yes, in Zoe 101, there were some, like, odd diet culture mentions. Okay, not great, but not creepy. But then it was, like, victorious, iCarly. Like, it was almost that, like, age of, like, kids being, like, super quirky and kind of... Well, that's what I was saying. these shows were way more They were over the top, too. Over the top, over the top quirky, over the top weird personalities that, like, really wouldn't happen in real life. exactly. That's what I was going to say. Not really something that you felt like was, like, you felt connected to the character. It was almost more like, oh, I wish I could be as crazy as Sam or as cool as, uh, as Carly. You know what I mean? Where... 
I mean, well, I didn't feel that way because I didn't really, that, that was kind of beyond my time, but I could see how other kids, like the kids who I babysat at the time felt that way. Yeah. So I feel like there was that shift from like kids who felt like they were like your neighborhood normal kids, they were just like you, to like this wild, crazy, they were like this unattainable, adult-like kid, you know what I mean, who was more... I don't know, adult. It no, just, you're literally saying what I, I was about different. to say. Like, I would say on the surface for parents who weren't watching the show, it was like, oh, this is instead of Drake and Josh, kids are watching iCarly. But the shows were different because, like you said, Drake and Josh were just normal guys that worked at a movie theater. You know, silly stuff would happen to them, but like it was still supposed to be normal life. And then iCarly, they're like famous for vlogging like they have this show that they're famous for and then on victorious they're all talented and go to this like fancy hollywood school you know what i mean so like it's just like you said that the older shows they at least try to make it seem relatable to kids whereas these other shows it's kind of like what they talked about in the orange years before where it was like they put all these spectacular kids on tv doing spectacular things that wasn't really helping people's self-esteem because it's like they're just seeing these people on tv being like the best gymnast or the best swimmer kind Mm -hmm. of thing and so it's almost like here we are quite literally 20 years 30 years later they're like doing the opposite you know like they're going back to that like oh watch all these people at a what cool talented hollywood school that you can't get and into, it wasn't you know? even like yeah it didn't even feel attainable like your kid next door who became a really good gymnast which again like kate said was what nickelodeon did not want yes, to do exactly. in the beginning they wanted to show very average kids leading very average lives yeah um but it was also like there's an element of it Almost like when you watch Gossip Girl. It was like parody, Like, my mom didn't want me watching Gossip Girl when I was a kid. Because, like, it was so ridiculous. That's not how high schoolers act. Exactly. And you expect that of, like, the CW, but this is Nickelodeon. You know what I mean? Like, the kids on Mm -hmm. iCarly... There were no parents. They were wearing crazy clothes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like victorious. Like they wore like and that was, sexy cool outfits. And it was not like that on like Drake and Josh or like Zoe 101. She would wear like cute outfits and a PCA hoodie. You know what I mean? Like she wasn't wearing like And that's kind of why clothes. I watched Victorious because I saw it was on Netflix. And I was like, I knew this show existed. I knew like who Victoria Justice was because she was from Zoe 101. Zoe 101. So I was like, and I mean, we know Ariana Grande now. Like she was from victorious Mm -hmm. so I was like I'll just watch this while I work and I just remember watching it and I was like so many weird things like you said toe stuff like random like random weird stuff I feel like happen. Dan Schneider had some success and felt untouchable and, and then like, he just I'm went go full off. force uh, this is yeah. my time and like, I think that's what I, he did I too. paid I quote unquote paid my dues with and did he do the Amanda show he did, um, yeah. Dude, poor Amanda Bynes. Yeah. I, no. I believe that. Yeah. I wish she would be able to come out and... I know. It, it really is so sad because I think that I truly believe that man is a monster. Mm-hmm. And I really think he like ha- was doing weird stuff behind the scenes on his original three shows and then as soon as he like was it's like okay like this more, network yeah. like I'm making all the money he was like alright these he next shows are going to be weird. Because yeah. again like I Carly and because the, the parents weren't really paying era, attention, just different and kids yeah. aren't picking up on like, oh, this is like a lot of toe stuff, or like, oh, they're like making these comments that are a little like off. Like, I can't think of an exact one, but I remember they're in the later weird. seasons of Victorious, like some of the stuff they were saying, I was like, this is odd for like kids. Show. You know what I mean? Like it was mm-hmm. like you said, definitely more Teen Nick, maybe Teen Nick at night, and some of the stuff they were saying. But I was like, this is odd. Yeah. 
Yeah, and again, it just was exactly against what they wanted to do. Exactly. They wanted to show normal kids, and that was the charm of Nickelodeon in the beginning, even whether it was their live-action shows or their... Um, you know, their live action shows or their animated series. It was just supposed to be normal kids, normal families, real experience, diversity. You know, when it came to things like that, it really wasn't about that anymore. It was just like wild and wacky and crazy. And it is kind of funny though. Because if we think about this across the street at Disney Channel, very similar things were happen- happening, though. We went from Lizzie McGuire, where it was literally just an average girl in junior high, you know, about to graduate to go to high school, to, like, Hannah Montana, like, living two lives as a pop star in Malibu. You know, like, again, some Wizards of that, Waverly yeah, Place, Wizards, where yeah, she's, Wizards, like, uh, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we didn't pick up on that. That's so Raven I will never bash. Oh, no. So that Raven. could happen to any of us. <laughs> we yeah, could, we any, could exactly. all be psychic. But that was the thing. She was a normal she girl. She was. She was. Like, Yes, she was psychic, and that was like what made the show crazy. But it's not like she was like no, no, no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't compare. I don't know. It's just different. I wouldn't compare. But I'm saying like the Hannah Montana thing. Like yes, we we just ate it up because like that's what was on TV at the time. You know whatever. But I'm thinking about it now, and I'm like they were both kind of competing with these, you know, like not realistic, yeah. larger than life you know, TV shows, and we mm-hmm. ate it up, especially because they were all musical shows, too, for the most part. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's coming together for me. Wild. Absolutely wild. Um, but, yeah, Nickelodeon changed a lot when it came to SpongeBob. So, as we were saying, SpongeBob came out in 1998. They had these two new studios in California, and SpongeBob really changed the game because people, it was a craze. Like, people were obsessed with SpongeBob. And before, Geraldine Laybourne had let there be, like, a little bit of like marketing products and merchandise, but it was things kids would want. So for example, you could buy like GAC or different kinds of slime because kids would see it on the network and want to play with it. It wasn't necessarily like the characters being branded onto everything. Yeah. It was right. just like things that kids naturally wanted. Maybe or, like, like just Nickelodeon the dolls. magazine, yeah. which like, you know what I mean? Right. Like or or the Rugrats dolls. So they had something to play with. But Spongebob was really the first time that the network put Spongebob on like everything and anything and it just really exploded like they started allowing a little bit more advertising they were just playing in a different like level you know what I mean like they were just super popular Geraldine Laybourne wasn't there anymore money was coming in and they really changed into like a different studio yeah absolutely between that and Dora the Explorer too which again I forget about Dora the Explorer because I was out of that, like, that was out Mm -hmm. of my realm. But I remember my cousin being a baby when I was 14, and she was obsessed with Dora the Explorer. There was Dora the Explorer on everything. So That's why I feel like I know about a lot of these shows is because after I stopped watching, I babysat. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, like, I feel like I've watched all these shows because, you know, when you babysit, you're sitting there watching TV And Kevin's always watched, like, Nickelodeon or Disney Channel, like, on through. So, like... I've I feel like I've watched all these shows still somewhat in passing. Um, right. But but yeah, I mean it. It's crazy how, like you said, I, I mean I remember the old Nick merchandise um, was like this wacky looking alarm clock that was like oh, greens and that. blacks and yep. purples, yep. like something again, like something that you would only see on the channel that like looked mm-hmm. like a kid could have made it. You know what I mean? Like that kind of yeah. thing. Um, and probably the Rugrats dolls I had came after the resurgence into in 1995 of the cartoon. Yeah. So honestly, that mm-hmm. probably was after our girl was gone, if we're being honest. But um, right. 
But yeah, I mean, when I, would, I was a kid, you know, Nickelodeon was like my life. I would get home, I would watch, you know, like I said, and then I would watch it nonstop. I would watch Snick every Saturday night. Like it was like appointment viewing. You had to be home to watch Snick. Yeah. And I had like no merchandise. Yeah. I had like nothing besides like maybe I had, like a Nickelodeon some, like, magazine subscription, you know, like that's right. It. Mm-hmm. I had that. I had the clock. I had like they were they would release some uh, videotapes of certain oh, shows yeah. and they were orange, the orange like the cassette yeah. was yeah. orange. I had so all I the had Rugrats those, tapes. I had like yeah. hardly any Rugrats mm-hmm. merch until like I remember I had like this Rugrats clock like but this is late nineties probably so this that mm-hmm. was after you know she was gone but yeah when I was a kid and really in the heyday of the the golden age i guess there was hardly any merchandising yeah Yeah. i think it really did start to kick up after she left in 1996 oh absolutely it did yeah so many of the merchandise items they all have that purple green orange and black look um looks like this is a radio but yeah it it's it's so crazy to see how it shifted and i didn't look into it but i'd be curious to know like when they switched the type, you know, the font they were using for Nickelodeon, because, you know, now they use like a lowercase font with the orange um, versus like that uppercase Nickelodeon font that we grew up with. Um, yeah. Right. Like, I'd be curious. I guess I could Google it really quick um, when they changed the font. Um, and we didn't talk about this, but I thought it was really cool that the original like Nickelodeon logo was created by the people who were behind the MTV logo, which mm-hmm. oh, such an iconic logo. Um, yeah, both of them. Yeah. And yeah. they shared that same ability to like be in other places. Like yes. the Nick logo was the font and was the color and they could put it on anything. anything, kind of like MTV where they would have all different things like filtered through the logo. So it was very much connected to like the real world, but was still very, very recognizable. And as somebody who has a font that we tried to keep like and something that could be interchangeable, um, I will say like I've always admired the MTV font and I always love to see what they would do with that Nickelodeon font especially as a kid I remember the little shorts before and after things and seeing what they were going to turn orange and put Nickelodeon on you know like different Mm -hmm. animals and things like that um oh okay so it looks like in 2009 they replaced the original Nickelodeon splat logo with the modern flat typeface logo in a font called light bulb I hate it. Yeah. So. Not a fan. Yeah, it happened in 2009. So that would have happened during the Iron Age, which we've all talked about the Iron Age. We hated the Iron Age. So that tracks. We, we hate it. <laughs> Michael, that is not a hate crime. Well, I well, hated it. I hated it. it. <laughs> yeah, I just don't see that. Like, you have one of the best logos ever. Like, why? To change it to why something change? that's literally, like, boring. I just don't. Whatever. Whatever, Nickelodeon. Yeah, I just always loved that uppercase Nickelodeon font. Sometimes it was Nick with a splat. Sometimes it was Mm -hmm. Nickelodeon. And it was just so cool that they could put it with like anything. And it was great. It was, it was, they had a truly, truly, truly great logo. And I think uh, this was, I mean, I guess technically it was still the the old Nickelodeon font when they had the Nick Hotel, but I am kind of remembering this new Nickelodeon font a little bit more over there. But yeah, if you want to hear about the yeah, Nick Hotel, you'll have to check out the bonus episode. So You should. You should check out the bonus episode. I will. <laughs> so 
Nick Studios closing, which I feel like we've alluded to, Nick Studios would close on April 30th, 2005. So she had a decently good run, you know? No shame. Um, It was responsible for producing over 2,000 episodes of original live-action programming for Nickelodeon. As Kate talked about, you know, had a lot of people, made a lot of money, which is great. Um, Won tons of awards. You know, Carissa explains it all. Received an Emmy nomination. There was just, like, tons of stuff. Gullah Gullah Island received an Emmy nomination. And there is a whole list of production history. So the opening day celebration, Total Panic, Make the Great out of here family double dare get the picture hi honey i'm home nick hit list eureka's castle nick arcade oh, eureka's castle um there was just so much stuff carissa explains it all what would you do nickelodeon launch box nickelodeon guts nick or treat the nick news kids world council which was really like just an important thing they did legends of the hidden temple nick news again with another topic all that Lots of stuff. Gullah Gullah Island, Global Guts, Keenan and Kel, Binya Binya, which was another great show. Um, but yeah, it was great. It was really great. The 2000 Kids Choice Awards, probably the last time I was truly happy. I know. I think I might have to go back and watch that just for fun because um, I remember those very vividly and I remember it being such a cool thing. But um, so it would... It closed its doors on April 30th, 2005, like um, Josie said. But the final program taped there was almost was almost a year earlier, back in August of 2004. And it was Nickelodeon mm-hmm. Splat. And from what I read, it seemed like it was like a they recorded that episode. And then it was like, bam, we're not recording anything else. Like, it was just kind of like a sudden thing. Um, which, I mean, of course... The, the studio had been seeing a decline since 2000 yeah. um, after it had some damage with Hurricane Charlie in 2004. I feel like it was kind of understood that that was coming. Um, but yeah, the Slime Geyser would be removed in May of 2005. The Nickelodeon Lame. sign would be removed in January of 2006. And then, as I said before, the time capsule would be moved in August of 2007. Um and then on November on November 9th, 2006, Universal Orlando would announce that Soundstage 18 would become a thousand seat permanent venue for the Blue Man Group, and that opened mm-hmm. in June of 2007. Uh, from what I understand, okay, it didn't reopen like after the pandemic either. So no, like, that's so the its official end. close date. The official close date online was February 1st, 2021, but we know that's wrong yeah. because the parks closed down in March Maybe of 2020. That was when they finally said. And that was the last, yeah, I think that was the last time that they, unless we're wrong, if, if someone out there was like, oh, I went after the pandemic, let us know. But I think, as far that as I know, date, that I think that was just the date that they were officially like, yeah, she's done. Um, which I did get to see Blue Man Group there. Oh, you once. did? So you got to go I in Nick's studios, did. technically? Did you go in the bathroom? No, I had oh. no clue that it was Nick Studios. Damn. Honestly, I didn't know that that's where it had been. Damn, um, damn. I did not know at the time. Um, I would have but loved to go in those bathrooms again. I wonder if they'll do anything with it. Uh, from what I understood, the other building was just used for like 
Universal Orlando parade storage. So, like, my guess mm. is they're just using it as storage, if I had to guess. But I wish they would sure. I wish they would bring it back. But, I mean, even the location that everything would move to, the Nickelodeon on Sunset location, would mm-hmm. eventually close in 2017. So, I mean, the main place that they still have a Nickelodeon animation studios is just Nickelodeon animation studios. Like, they don't even have... Mm-hmm. Nickelodeon on Sunset anymore, which I was surprised about. Nope. Bump, bump, bump. Well, I think overall it was a really interesting time in the theme park industry. It was really cool to see um, Universal Studios and MGM, Disney MGM Studios kind of battle it out. Like they really had very similar theme parks, very similar ideas right up the street from one another. Um, And Nickelodeon Studios was really such a huge part of that that I think people don't realize what a big part of that it was. I think overall Nickelodeon in the beginning especially had some of the best marketing around because it was like, again, marketing that wasn't even really marketing. Like they were just cool. They just knew they were cool. They were relatable. And they just knew how to talk to kids and how to expand with their audience with things that their audience genuinely loved and wanted um, and made them feel a part of it. So I think that the studio, although it did not last forever, was really cool and was such a fun moment in theme park history. I just have to say, though, I still think that it's funny that we're talking about Nickelodeon and Mikey is still a part of this story in more ways than one. Not the obvious way with MGM Studios, but the fact that he got Miss Geraldine to move on over to Disney ABC. (laughs) And that's when everything started going downhill at Nickelodeon. I do not think those are coincidences. But anyway, I, I just thought that was funny when I was putting that together today. I think so too. I think a lot of this was fueled by by him. I think they mm-hmm. offered Nickelodeon such a great deal because they were like, we, we have to compete it. with Disney in a big way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. No, I... It was such a cool time. I know. I need to see if I can pull some of those photos from that so I can, uh, yes. can share those on the story whenever we yes. have this episode. Because I still have the shirt. <laughs> It doesn't fit, though. Anyway, okay. Well, I guess that's it. Well, that was this episode of the Carousel Project podcast. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we appreciate you more than we even have words for. We're so excited to be trucking on through season five, which is just absolutely mind-blowing. We're so thankful y'all are here listening and just being a part of our bi-weekly routine. So yeah, we love you guys. And if you want to come and chat with us, talk to us about Nick Studios or any other topics, you can find us on Instagram at Carousel Project Podcast. Yes, and as we've mentioned a few times in here, this week is a bonus episode week. So with this burr, 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 burr. So with this Nick Studios episode, you can also check out our Nick Hotel bonus episode on our Patreon if you are a C D or E ticket member of our Patreon. Um, but if you're whether you are or not, you already know what I'm gonna talk about. I'm gonna talk about reviews and the fact that Adam loves the number five. So we're collecting five have. star we're collect- We are collecting five star reviews we are. for season five. We I'm are collecting for them. this season we're collecting yep. them. So if you would like to help us grow our collection, leave us a five star review on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. We love to see what you guys love about the podcast. So if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a little note about what you've enjoyed about season five so far. 
And as always, share us with your friends and family. We have 40 plus episodes now and that's wild. I know. And we have six bonus episodes with, you know, tons more on the way. So check us out. Share us. We love you. Love you. Bye. Love, love you. you. Bye, guys. See you Take care. in two weeks. Watch out. Love you. Watch out. Gotcha, bitch. Nick, 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 Nick,